The Celtics offense is just ungodly good. They are out of control offensively. What's going into it? Plus, the Cornette contest. How long is that going to last? And where would Sam Hauser go in a redraft? It's all right now on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown, J team. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry OB. Corral us above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Raining Jays, how it started, raising banners, how we finished. Locked on Celtics, pod, home of the winners. B. Hey, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And I'm here for you every day with a free, fresh podcast dropped directly to your device if you are subscribed. So make sure you are. Watch the show on YouTube as well. We just passed the Lockdown Lakers podcast. Now we got to pad that lead. We get on the Celtics for not, for taking their foot off the gas after they get a lead. No, we want to push this up to an insurmountable lead. So keep subscribing on the YouTube channel and making this show your first listen every day. I'm John Corrales, former professional basketball player. Now I cover the Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. And I've written a book called Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars. New shipment going out for people who bought it on johncorrales.com. And a new shipment just came in. So I have a few more books if anybody wants it for a gift for the Celtics fan in your life this holiday season. Later on, we'll talk about Luke Cornett a little bit more, uh, especially that Luke, the, the Cornett contest. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't like it. I'm sorry. And then an interesting question about Sam Hauser, who was undrafted a couple of, a couple of years ago. Uh, would he be, where would he be? That's coming up later. But first the offense, a couple of segments on this, just historically good, incredibly insane offense. I touched on it a little bit last night after the game today, I'm going to touch on it some more and I'll bring in our good friend. Tom Westerholm, whose camera just dropped about four. <laughs> there you go. Uh, how you feeling, Tom? How you doing, man? I'm feeling like four inches too low, but now I'm feeling. Yeah. Now I'm good. Now I'm good. Now you're back. I'm back. Now you're back. We both got our head, our our hats on. We both got. I sh- I'm missing the glasses. Otherwise, we'd be in like perfect sync here yeah. with our looks. Yeah. Just yeah, like the Celtics are in perfect sync with their offense. Just like you're in perfect sync with your transitions, boy. Let's go. Ha! Anyway, I'm in a good mood. Yeah. The Celtics are putting up a gazillion points a game. Uh, just going peeking through the numbers, trying to put a little something together on Boston Sports Journal. And uh, you know, obviously, the uptick is in their three-point shooting. They're averaging 11 and a half more points per game. And that's coming basically exclusively from the three-point line where they're averaging about 50 and change points per game from the three-point line, where last year they're averaging 39.7. So that's that accounts for most of the difference. The other part of the difference comes from getting an extra free throw, being aggressive. But I think within that number is baked a, a significant amount of improvements for this team how are you getting those three-pointers? There are a lot more wide-open three-pointers. They are generating a ton of great looks. They are uh, kind of they've, – they've ditched a, a bunch of the mid-range shots, but they're hitting them at a much higher rate. So they're still getting the points from the mid-range that they got before, but they don't have to take as many shots. 
So that translates to more opportunities from three, more opportunities at the rim. And, and it's just, it's so incredible. So from, from all of that, what, what is, what's your, at we're a quarter of the way of the season into this, what's your big kind of takeaway here from the, oh, first of all, today's show is brought to you by sweat block. If someone, if you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, perhaps if they're trying to defend the Boston Celtics, try sweat block, save 20% with the promo code locked on at sweatblock.com also available at Amazon. So Tom, what's your, what's your big takeaway here? Well, my big takeaway is that you remembered that when you were about to throw it to me, and that's when you started thinking about embarrassing odors. So I don't love that. Yes. Uh, I don't love it. I didn't want to say it directly to you. Yeah. All right. So all all I'm telling you, Tom, is you can save 20% with the promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. That's all. As long as that's all. As long as that's all. All right. It's the only thing that I am telling you directly, overtly. Fair enough. All right. No, I, I, <laughs> look, I think the thing that's really stood out to me about the Celtics offense is like is how optimized it is. Right. Like we're, what yeah. we're seeing right now is just this like it they, they've they've really hammered in on all of the things that are the most efficient. Like they've got their superstars. Those guys are the guys that do the bulk of the work. Those guys are the guys who do the bulk of the scoring, the bulk of the shooting, the bulk of like the slashing, all that stuff. And they're also and then around them are a bunch of shooters like this team is just like chock full of shooters right now. Guys like Al Horford, who's shooting like almost 50 percent from three guys like Derek White, who's who's shooting a a career high. But, you know, I think I think it was smart yesterday who touched on this. It's not like these are crazy shots that they're making. These are all open shots that they're that they're generating because it's so optimized because they've got the floor so spaced and the guys who are getting downhill are so good. And I mean, look, it like the guys who are handling the ball are all the guys who should be handling the ball. Like they've got, they've just got this like click, 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 click thing to it where uh, Marcus smart is distributing the way, like, I mean, like he's been phenomenal. I think we'll probably get to him at some point here. Derek white has been doing the same thing. Like he is like, like I I looked it up on, on synergy the other day. This is the highest that his spot up shooting has ever been in terms of like Mm -hmm. usage and uh, his pick and roll is lower. But the thing is, he does have that pick and roll ability. He always has. That was what who he was in San Antonio. He was mostly a pick and roll player in San Antonio. So, like, you've got all these guys who are playing perfectly within their skill sets and who are, like, just kind of operating in tandem with each other. All the shooters can drive a closeout if they need to, but most of the time they don't need to. And so they're just putting up the most efficient shot in basketball, which is an open three or, you know, second, if you want to call open layups or whatever, like sure. one of the most, one of the most efficient shots in basketball, these, these corner threes that they're just getting wide open or these above the break threes that are wide open. So it's just like the Celtics have just put together this, um, th- this machine and look like we'll see, we'll see how it continues. We'll see how teams learn how to, how to defend it. We're only 21 games into the season, but I mean, like they've done exactly what they should be doing so far. Uh, like this, you can't ask for a more efficient sort of uh, well-oiled offense than what Joe Missoula has, has kind of crafted. Yeah. They're, they're doing, they're doing things, getting the right shots. Like I said before the mid range. So this season they're shooting uh, less than 9% of their offense is coming from the mid range. Compare that to last year when, it was 12.3% of their offense was coming from the mid-range. And last year, they shot 39.5%. This year, they're shooting 50%, which is – that makes it official, uh, efficient. That makes it if – right. you, if, if you're shooting 50% from 
for mid-range, then fine. Take take all the mid-range shots that you want. I think one thing that's happening here is Jalen Brown is starting to kind of make a name for himself, I think. I think he's entering that mid-range master type of discussion a little bit. Yeah. We all talk about DeRozan for great reason, and I'm not saying he's at that quite that level quite yet, and Kevin Durant and all these other big mid-range guys. Jalen doesn't shoot with the level of frequency there because he loves to attack the rim and get all the way there. But something to watch as defenses tighten up and maybe in the playoffs – He's shooting better than 50% from mid-range, and that's part of the efficiency here. If he can be the mid-range guy, the mid-range master, and on top of it get to the rim and, and, and hit some threes, and the Celtics incorporate that with Tatum as your three-point attacking guy, now you're like, oh, geez, now what? Now what? <laughs> now right. you've got and, – and so I, I think – you're not asking him to rely on the mid-range, but I'm actually saying to Jalen, feel free to take yep. a couple more because I think right now everything is is actually just fitting together somewhat perfectly. Like you said, you've got ball handlers, so Smart, White, Brogdon, any of those guys, plus obviously Jalen and Jason who right. were primary ball handlers last year. Uh, so five guys who can handle the ball, uh, but – shooters those you know two of those guys four of those guys really can be shooters everywhere and Marcus Smart this year is, has kind of entered the discussion as a league average three point shooter so you, it doesn't matter what you do it doesn't matter what you run it doesn't matter who has the ball and it allows you to catch and go who's bringing it up is it Al Horford sure no problem all these other guys that he passed to can drive all these other guys that he passes to can shoot and as long and as long as they trust each other which i think is a byproduct of that finals run the, the realization of they don't need to do it all themselves, I think that is part of what's fueling this this offense. In fact, I think Jason Tatum is is incorporating a little Steph Curry into his game here, and that's part of why this offense is is kind of cooking the way it did. I'll explain that when I come back. First, today's show is brought to you by sweat block we all know that sweat block uh that that embarrassing odor it just hits people some people just deal with it some people you start to sweat i have the issue i'm gonna i'm not gonna lie if i if i walk into a room outside from the cold especially and i start to sweat it might not shut off for a little while then that's not comfortable for me so i know that if i go to sweatblock.com and order myself some sweat block they get the the dry shirt guarantee if sweat block doesn't keep you dry you get your money back Take a shower, I wipe it on, use the, the wipes, it lasts up to seven days. So I know that I'm covered all week long. I don't have to worry about, oh, did I forget to put this on? Ugh. So it's out there. A doctor invented it. The reviews on Amazon, you can go read them all. They're incredible. So check it out. Sweatblock has been a, a bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years, or for the past 10 years with over 10,000 five-star reviews. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweatblock. Save 20% with the promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com. That's 20% off with the promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com. It's also available at Amazon. Thanks for making Locked On Celtics your first listen every day. Make Locked On Sports Today your second listen. All the big stories from around the sports world, the Locked On experts, 
get you the coverage unlike anywhere else. So find it wherever you found this podcast. You can even watch the show on YouTube. So, Tom, I, I said before the break, Jason Tatum's incorporating some Steph Curry. You heard him talk recently about, I watch these other guys. I, I try to take things from other players. KD, he did mention Steph. And, and how much respect that he, he gained for the Warriors in the finals. Steph is an incredible pick setter for a guy that's out there shooting and moving as much as he does. Tatum this year has, has really, I think, upped his pick setting. And I think that has allowed him to open up the, the, the offense for other guys and open it up for himself. I think he's incorporating some of that pick, pick setting. You see it from him. Uh, you saw it early on, I think, last night uh, or against the, um, the Hornets, the first Derek White three-pointer, I think it was, a pick that Tatum set to, to spring him and get a wide-open shot. And it's not just Tatum. I think other guys are doing it. This offense is, is just kind of allowing a lot of that pick setting and movement, and, and everybody's just kind of helping everybody out. I said before, it's a level of trust, and I think trust might be the one word that kind of encapsulates why this offense is so good. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and like they're and they're they're all it's all kind of building too, right? Like it's all kind of exponential because if you're Jason Tatum, of course you're starting to trust Derek White. Of course you trust Al Horford. Of course you trust all these guys because one, you've been through a lot of battles with these guys. You know, you've you've been to the finals. Um, you know, a lot of the guys on the team have learned to trust each other through the finals run. And then the new guys, you know, you look at Malcolm Brogdon, he knows to trust these guys because he watched them go to the finals last year too, right? And and the, and like you know, Brad added Malcolm Brogdon, who everybody trusts, because everybody knows that he's overqualified coming off the bench. So it's like it, it really is kind of this like cycle that that builds a little bit. And then as they play together, as they win games together, as they see that oh yeah, this thing works, and if we all kind of buy into it, um, you know, it's it's it, it it's going to pay dividends. I mean, I, I think I think we're seeing that across the board. And so, um, you know, I mean, with, with Tatum, it's interesting too. I mean, he's like, like, I don't know. He's just, he's been so good um, that like you could kind of see him just at times, like be like, oh, I'm going to take over. I'm going to do X, Y, Z. I'm just like, you know, this is, this is my night tonight. And we, we just really haven't seen that from him this year. I feel like a lot of his 30, 35 point games, if he was really pushing, it could have been like 40, 45. Sure. But we're just, we're just really seeing he's hovering right around that 30 point per game average because so many of his games are just like, yeah, scored 33 today. Yeah, scored 28 today. Yeah, I scored 35 <laughs> today. And it's like, it's just, you, you don't even think about it. It's just like, this is what Tatum does. Yeah, and, and he's been getting to the rim incredibly well. He's been, like, against the the Hornets, it was just a joke. Just to, borrow, a to borrow the uh, the Brad Stevens, whenever something was incredibly impressive, it was a joke. joke. And uh, that that's what it was with uh, Tatum getting to the rim. And, you know, look, you got Marcus Smart out there. I didn't talk much about Marcus Smart's 15 assists. I think you, you've got so many guys in their roles that are just – everybody's flourishing in their roles. And I think everybody understands that. Don't try to do too much. Do what you're supposed to do. Everybody can do a lot of things. And when we need you to do more, we'll tell you. But just go out there and, and do what you do. And, and for Tatum, attacking the rim, getting – he didn't get a bunch of free throws in this one, but didn't need him. He, he was just getting to the rim, and guys were bouncing off of him. So that was uh, the crazy thing about last night's game. He was four for 14 from three and one for one from the free throw line. And he still finished with 35 efficient points because yeah. like the Hornets just had nothing, nothing for him. Yeah. Like 
not nothing even close. <laughs> nothing. And then and then Marcus drops 15 assists because guys are hitting shots. So, right. you know, smart smart's assist numbers are up and the Celtics assist numbers are up 63 and a half percent of their offense is now uh via the assist. 63 and a half percent. That's incredible. That's, That's quite up good. from and and they were at they were still at six just about 61% last year, but you go back to 1920 the 19 2019 2020 season because I don't want to make it sound like you go back to 1920 because the NBA didn't exist back then. Uh, you go back four seasons ago and the assist percentage was 55.7. So that's, you know, you're, you're getting closer to about an even split of ISO and you don't want that. So the assist numbers are huge and that's, that's leading to some really easy, easy buckets, wide open looks and guys are knocking down the wide open looks. So how does Marcus Smart get 15 assists? Well, you know, you you push the ball in transition. You get the ball to the guys who are who will cut and the guys who get to their spots. And if you've got clean looks, they're going to hit the shots. And you need the guys to hit the shots to pile up the assists. And I think for Marcus, he's just been a guy who now he's he's truly a point guard. And you know, I've been on this podcast for years saying that Marcus Smart can be a really effective point guard, and no one wanted to believe me. And I think what we're seeing here is when you finally actually make him the point guard, when you finally actually say, okay, Marcus, forget Dennis Schroeder, forget all these other guys. You are the absolute unquestioned. You are, you are the starting point guard for this team. What does he do? He plays like a point guard. He's a pass first guy. He doesn't take more than eight, nine shots a game generally. And he's out there setting guys up. You give him weapons to pass to, you put him in a starting lineup with Tatum Brown Al Horford and either Derek White or Grant Williams. Well, you got two dynamic scorers and two other guys who kind of need to be fed the ball so they can be effective. So Smart says, well, am I going to shoot or am I going to give the ball to an MVP candidate, an all-NBA candidate, uh, or am I going to be the guy that sets up these two other guys because they need to have you know some drive and kick so they can catch and be effective? That's He's point guarding. And I think we're, we're finally seeing him be the full point guard that we've always wanted him to be. And it was funny because I asked, uh, I asked Jalen the other night about playing with a true pass first point guard in Marcus Smart. And as I was asking the question, I was thinking like, I wonder if anybody's going to get on my, my ass on Twitter for saying, what are, you, what are you talking about? Marcus Smart's a pass first point guard. And nobody said anything because I think everybody kind of sees it. Smart's, right. Smart's a very effective point guard. Right, 100%. And this goes back to the optimization of this team, right? Of like, of putting everybody in their own positions to succeed. Like, we pick on Dennis Schroeder a lot on this pod because he was so bad. Uh, but like, <laughs> he he really was just like death for what the Celtics were trying to do because he was like a ball-dominant guy. He's not like some kind of distributor. And because he put guys like Marcus Smart in a position that they should not be in. Like, this is optimized Marcus Smart. He shoots when he absolutely has to shoot. He passes, you know, however many percent of the time. I think I, I did. I think I looked it up yesterday. He's like his like his assist to use. So his usage is pretty low for a point guard, but his assist like like uh, adjusted for his usage is very high for a point for even for a point guard. It's like yeah. like 82nd percentile, even though he doesn't have the ball in his hands that much when he does. He is getting a, just racking up assists at a yeah. level that's that's good even for a point guard. So like, it's this is just who he should have been offensively all the time, and that is frankly not on him. Like that is on 
you know, the, the team construction that is on the coaching and, 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 and the, I say coaching, like, I'm not saying Brad Stevens made mistakes here. Like Brad Stevens had Kyrie Irving, Brad Stevens had Kemba Walker, Brad Stevens had guys who like were supposed to be out there. So, you know, it's just, this was how the roster was just always constructed in a way that was going to make it harder for Marcus smart. But now yeah. that's not what it is anymore. Like this is, this is the roster that Marcus smart, um, that an optimized Marcus smart would be playing on. And I, again, I said it before, but I, I just think that like what we're seeing is like so many optimized guys. And, and this is what you see when that happens. When, when Jason Tatum is given the opportunity to be the, the, the superstar when Jalen Brown is given the opportunity to also be superstar, but maybe just a tiny bit lower than the other guy. Like, you know, when, when Al Horford is, is just, Hey, make some threes. And when Embiid comes around, go defend him. Like when, when Grant <laughs> Williams, you know, like, it's like, it's like everybody's just got their perfect little, their perfect little slice of Celtics offense and a perfect big slice in some cases of Celtics offense. And um, I, I just think that's, that's a big part of what we're seeing. This offense is in playing at historic, historic levels. Maybe, maybe there's going to be some regression at some point. But uh, my final thought is this, and I kind of said this last night after the game. This offense is cooking with guys playing a little bit above their heads. Derek White, Al Horford shooting above their heads a little bit. Maybe Malcolm Brogdon as well. However, it's also cooking with Tatum and Brown not shooting well from three. Right, right. So whatever regression might happen from these other guys, you're due for an uptick in Jalen and Jason. So yeah. there may be a drop off on some levels, but also, and and Joe Mazzulla said this after the game, there's a lot that they can do better. There is a lot that they can do better, which is scary, scary, scary. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's put leave that there. We'll come back. We'll talk because there's going to be so much to talk about the offense that uh, we'll be able to fill ten podcasts. We'll come back. We'll talk about Luke Cornett and. Uh, We'll talk about uh, Sam Hauser. Where would Sam Hauser have been drafted? Assuming, Tom, that he would have been drafted if people knew then what they know now. We'll talk about that in a minute. First, today's show is also brought to you by ExpressVPN. We know ExpressVPN protects your privacy and security online, right? But here's something you might not know. You can also use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. Maybe you've run out of stuff to watch on Netflix in this ExpressVPN will change your world because it allows you to binge The Office on UK Netflix. It's so simple to do. You sign into Netflix, you fire up ExpressVPN on the app, you change your location to the UK, refresh refresh Netflix, and boom, there you go. ExpressVPN lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. So you can choose from almost 100 different countries. So just imagine all the Netflix libraries you can go through. Do you love Korean dramas? Use ExpressVPN to parasite off South Korean Netflix with your Netflix subscription. But it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service, Hulu, BBC, iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but the reason you should use ExpressVPN is to watch the shows that are in, in to watch your shows is because it's ridiculously, fa- ridiculously fast. There's never any buffering or lag. You can stream in HD, no problem. ExpressVPN also works on all your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. So you can watch what you want on the big screen or on the go. So if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, go to expressvpn.com slash locked on right now. You can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash locked on. 
expressvpn.com slash locked on to learn more. Today's show is also brought to you by my good friends at Crack Sauce. C-R-A-I-C. If you're on YouTube, you see what it looks like. C-R-A-I-C. It's an Irish word. Crack Sauce. And it is delicious. And you can get 10% off Crack Sauce by ordering through their website with the promo code Locked On. It's made in Lowell. It's made by a Celtic season ticket holder. It's locally sourced ingredients, local employees. You are supporting Massachusetts small businesses and Massachusetts employees and a fellow Celtics fan by buying Crack Sauce for yourself, for anybody who likes hot sauce as a gift. These are your different varieties. You can put them on top of things. You can use them as ingredients in food. And there's a new limited edition Aji Punch sauce available. People are putting this on their pie and ice cream and pancakes and in cocktails. It sounds crazy, but it works. Sweet heat, baby. Super limited edition sauce. Again, all local farm sauce, sweet with a little bit of heat. It's big, bold flavors. It's hot sauce, done different, built different. It's C-R-A-I-C sauce.com. Use the promo code locked on to get 10% off. So, Tom, Luke Cornett has been uh, getting better and better and better. And I think we're getting to a point now where we're actually seeing how the Celtics could use Robert Williams, how Robert Williams might impact the offense just by watching Luke Cornett because he's doing a lot of the same things. We just say, okay, here's the Luke stuff. Let's just supercharge it. Let's rob charge it and make it like that much better. But he's doing a lot of the same things. Uh, although I don't know that we're going to see Rob do the Cornette contest. I don't think Rob's going to challenge from the middle of the lane. Rob gets out. Rob actually gets out and blocks those. Threes. He gets out like, to those. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's like a thing he does often. So, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think he's uh, I don't think he's stopping short anytime soon. So this came in to me uh, to the mailbag at johncorrales.com from Philip. Can we stop and consider the Cornette contest? Two reputable outlets, the Athletic and Heat Check, analyze it and show roughly a 25% effective field goal percentage for opponents shooting threes. Is he onto something? Now he says Marcus Smart tried it in one game, and I don't know that Marcus actually did that. Did he? Oh, he missed that. Yes, he has. Yeah, he has. Yep. Yep, he did it. I don't. I do not remember the game, but it was pretty recent. I've he did it. He has done it pretty recently. I yeah. must have been looking down. Um, I don't believe in that thing. I don't believe in the cornet contest. I've said it on this podcast before. I'm not trying to rain on people's parades. I don't think it does anything. I think the 25 percent effective field goal percentage is just luck. I don't think people miss because he's jumping. And if anybody does, it's because they're not a great shooter anyway. I think the good shooters. You put them out here. Let, let's try the Luke, the, the Cornette contest against Steph Curry and see how those fall. Like, I, I just don't, I, I, I mean, just, okay. That's, that's a little, that's a little, that's a little tough on the court. Like I agree with you mostly, but like, we're talking about, that's the greatest shooter of all time. I mean, like, of course, that's going to make good that shooter. Shot. Put him against any good shooter. You think if there, you think in practice that Derek white suddenly can't hit shots because Cornette is contesting from the middle of the lane. I um, doubt it. I doubt it. I just doubt it. I plus, it, it takes him out of position. I've seen, him, I've seen him get pulled out of position for rebounds. I've seen him get pulled out of position. And Joe Missoula said, like, Missoula was asked about it before the game. And it was pretty funny because he was like, yeah. Um, you can see him straining. He like, yeah, the guys are starting to figure it out and drive by him. He's going he's gonna to have to be better. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how long that, that move is going to stick around for. But it was, it was kind of funny last night to hear people talk about it. 
I yeah, so I agree with you. I I actually don't think that the twenty five percent thing is a fluke, but uh, like I do think it's it's a it's weird, right? And like shooting is all about rhythm and confidence. And if you see somebody do something kind of weird, it's almost like wait, what what is that? And then like you're and that it almost makes you think about your shot as opposed to just kind of like feeling the shot that you've taken a thousand times and practice taken a million times and practiced a million times. Um, it's uh, it, it just makes it a little bit. You know, it makes it a little bit uh, more confusing, I guess. Um, but I, I will say that, like, I, I think that when people start to figure out how to drive it, when people figure out that, hey, a quick little pump fake can go, like, all of a sudden this guy's, like, out of position, like, and, and had, like, no way of getting back into the play, really. Like, you know, all these, like, offensive rebounds that he gives up, it's not long for this world. I do think that it yeah. could, like, that it works a little bit, but it's definitely not something that they should rely on. It's not something that Cornette should rely on because I think if he's getting real playoff minutes and, and you and I are in agreement that he's a guy who has a chance to be in the rotation, even when Rob comes back, like yeah. if though that's going to matter, like it, it's going to matter whether like that, that Cornette contest, he does rely on it quite a bit. And I, I just, I think once, once like the postseason rolls around and stuff like that, you're not going to be able to get away with that. Like guys are going to be too good. Offenses are going to be too good. Um, the scouts are going to be too good. Like <laughs> they're going to know, you know, they're going to be like, Hey, like may maybe you get away with it. The first game game two after, you know, 48 hours of like the most intensive scouting that like happens yeah. at the NBA level, they're going to be like pump fake Cornet goes up and then you go get a layup. It's so no, I'm, I am with you. I, I think, Maybe we've got another like ten games of it, um, but I think, by, you know, by the time the season's like half over, I think we're gonna probably be done talking about the cornet contest. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm gonna be. I don't know. I'll, I'll leave it at that because people love it. People love it, and I get it. It's just it is fun to see him just jump from the middle of the lane. Like that's actually a funny thing. So it's very funny. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. That's fine. I'm not telling people not to enjoy it. I'm just saying that as a basketball thing. It's probably ineffective. Uh, let's let's wrap this show up because we got a question. Uh, Tom, you actually sent me the, the the tweet from somebody who said, where would Sam Hauser go in a redraft of the uh, 2021 draft? He was undrafted. So my my first – my response to you was, well, he'd be drafted. That's for sure. That unquestionably drafted. Now the question yep. is, would he have been a first or second rounder? So I just went back through the 2021 draft and like, not only is he a first rounder, um, there's a chance he's a lottery pick, like a late lottery pick here. So like, we'll go, we'll go through it together because like, this is yep. like, you've seen some of these guys now. This isn't just mm. like, you know, like, uh, you know, this isn't just uh, college guys, whatever in a redraft. So Cade Cunningham goes ahead of him. Jalen green. Sure. Evan Mobley. Absolutely. Scotty yep. uh, Jalen green. Also. Absolutely. I didn't mean to downgrade that. Jalen green has looked really good. Jalen yeah. green. Absolutely. Evan Mobley. Absolutely. Scotty Barnes. Absolutely. Jalen Suggs. We reach our first interesting one. He's been fine, but I mean, if, and like maybe at number five, you know, but like, I, I mean, he was a dynamic player in college, but I, I, I mean, I put him with a question mark. I don't know. Yeah. Sam Hauser has been really effective. And like, yeah, he plays a role, but it's a super crucial role. So I'm putting Jalen Suggs with a question mark. Um, Josh Giddy. I think you probably take Josh Giddy, but like, yeah. again, like Sam Hauser's a winning basketball player right now. Like all <laughs> that three point, all that three point shooting. I don't know. So I would take Josh Giddy, but like a little question mark, Jonathan Kaminga. 
taking Hauser, Kaminga, right? Kaminga, right, right. Like, I mean, I think if we're redrafting, like you go down to to, to Franz Wagner, and Wagner yep. goes up to five, I think. To um, yep, I mean, still to Orlando, which is which is great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So Got they lucky there. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You look like, yeah. I was gonna say Did, Suggs. Kaminga is definitely a question mark. Um, so keep going. So we're, we got David Davion Mitchell. I I mean, you know, he's he's yep. had some moments. Like Zaire Williams, no, I'm, I'm like I'm not taking him. He's not he doesn't shoot like Hauser. Um, you know, James Booknight, obviously no. Josh Primo, like yeesh, obviously no. Chris Duarte, no. Moses Moody, I don't think so. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm taking I'm taking Hauser. I'm taking the automatic bucket. Like Corey Kispert, I I mean like like that's that's kind of you know, like you, yeah. Uh, Take your pick, like whichever one you want. Like they, they both shoot. <laughs> um, Alpern Sangoon, I mean, I, you know, probably taking him. Uh, like, you know, sure. there's, there's something there. But then, yeah, you get to like Trey Murphy, Kai Jones, Jalen Johnson, Keon Johnson, Isaiah Jackson, Usman Garuba, uh, Josh Christopher, Quentin Grimes, Bones Highland. There's one, right? Like I, I, I would take Bones Highland. I think that there's a lot going on there with him in right. Denver. Um, Jaden Springer, um, Cameron Thomas, Daron Sharp, uh, Santi Aldama. And then we're into the second round and you go through the second round. There's Herb Jones, who, yes, I would, you know, I would yep. take him and uh, Io Sumu. And it's yep. like a- after that, there's not really anybody. So if, so if you if you if you count those out, right, if you count all those dudes um, at that point, you're looking at putting him right around the 15 range. So, yeah, if you wanted, you yep. know, if, if you wanted to use a late lottery pick on Sam Hauser, late lottery. If you pick up like a for sure, no questions asked, super productive role player at 13, you had a great draft. And that's what yeah. Sam Hauser appears to be at this stage. So, I mean, he certainly was better than, uh, you know, Joe Weisskamp or like some of these other guys who were drafted <laughs> just for shoots. So, I mean, well, here we are. Well, we'll, see, we'll see if anybody has an opportunity to kind of make a turnaround in their, uh, in their, their performances. It's only been a couple of years. But yeah, I, I going through these names, I can see somewhere in that late late teens, 17, 18, 19 would be, I think, where you could you could probably pick up Sam Hauser. So okay, well, all right, but but then let me ask you. So we got we got Cade, Jalen, Mobley, Barnes, Wagner, um, Highland, Herb Jones, I would assume Mu, and then like Josh Giddy. And then like who are like so the other ones that we've got here are like um Sangoon, uh Davion Mitchell, Corey Kispert. Like, yeah, I mean, like who of the, who of those are you taking over him? Well, no, I mean, but like you can go down to Cam Thomas and like, you know, like there, there's look there are dynamic, there are guys who are more dynamic than him. Sure. Absolutely. That that in and one thing we do have to consider, because I'm I'm not the biggest redraft guy. That this is this is if I don't know the Thunder or the Grizzlies or pick a team if the Knicks took Sam Hauser would he be doing this or not? Because one of the things about Sam Hauser is catch and shoot guy. He was yeah, on a team true. where they need a they needed a catch and shoot guy. That's why um, that that's why they kept him, right? That's why they kept him. And because he was the catch and shoot guy and now he's working on catching in, you know, but we were talking about Matt Ryan, you know, yeah. over the summer, you could have kept Matt Ryan and, but, and who knows what he would have been. But the, I think one of the joys of Sam Hauser is that he fits what Boston has needed. 
and he's held his own defensively. You put him on a team that's not great defensively, and he looks much, much worse. And I know right. the Celtics are not exactly killing it defensively, but they also have really good defenders. Right. And I think defense is just down in the NBA right now anyway. So, but you put him on a bad defensive team and it's like, holy dear God, Sam Hauser might be the worst defender in the league. And, and that's, and that's why last year, like, this is the other thing. He wasn't this good last season. He was on the team last season. And it's not like he came out right away and did all of this. It's an opportunity. It's the right mix. It's the right coach. It's the right everything. So I don't want to go too far overboard. I think that he could have been a first-round pick and could have fit. And I, I, I think ideally a later first-round pick because then he would have gone to a team that was better, that could kind of use his skill set. But I think if he went to 11, Okay, if the Hornets drafted him instead of Book Knight, put him on that Hornets team. And what would we be talking about right now? Oh my God, Jason Tatum took uh, Hauser and just, I don't know if Hauser can even play in the NBA anymore. He just destroyed <laughs> him. You know, like that's what we'd be talking about if they drafted Sam Hauser. So we do have to keep in mind that there are other elements here at play. So, uh, so I'm I'm like in between. I do agree with you that he's right now this guy. If he's if he's this good on any team, then yeah, I, great. But if but I, I do think realistically that he's he's probably he he's he's shown that he's got the talent to be a late first round pick. Okay, I would go a little higher than that, but I think that's reasonable. I mean, I think I think when you with the redraft question, a lot of times, I mean, yeah, of course you have to take like especially this early, right after like. I mean, we're only like these 2021 guys are in their second season. So like, um, yeah, yeah. you know, I think like context, context is always going to matter in that situation, right? Like, like guys, guys are always going to thrive or not thrive um, based on context in their second year, I feel like. Um, so um, I'm willing to push them a little higher, but I, um, I'm not like my, in my initial, my initial look at it, I was looking down. I was like, this guy's top 10. Um, now, <laughs> now, now I'm much closer to like, I, I still think he's in the teens, but I, uh, yeah. but yeah, late. But you're right, though. I do think you're right that like uh, like getting him on a good team would would make a big difference. Um, mm. I mean, can you, can you imagine him on like the Warriors? Like, good lord! Oh my god! So, oh my god! Yeah. Then yeah. people talking about him as a top five pick. You know, right? But, exactly. But that here's my problem. Here's my personal issue with redrafts as far as how I can't fully engage in that process. I am compelled to add context. To things and I cannot let something go by that's out of context all that often. So people will say that redrafting is such a fun exercise, and like, oh yeah, let's this guy's doing great. Like he would go like this and I'm like 11 and whatever. And you're like, and I'm like, in my in my soul, I'm like, oh, but he's not in the right situation to be be good there. And that would be a disaster. So that's let's do a twenty. Let's do a twenty seventeen redraft sometime, just to really torture you. <laughs> Go away, Tom Westerholm. <laughs> I will. All right, bye. <laughs> that's the end of the show, which once again has gone way too long. But that's okay because we had fun with it. I hope you had fun with it too. And uh, if you're not a subscriber, if you're still here, I hope that you that means you are going to subscribe. If you are a subscriber, especially on YouTube, still pushing that YouTube. 
for my own personal ego issues. Uh, please subscribe there and share the podcast. Tell your friends and family and everybody that they should be listening to and watching the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.